Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are thrilled to have you back in the Surviving Summer series. It is no joke out here in these streets. Me and Tiffany are almost done with our kids taking over our weekend of sports shenanigans. Although it's very, very fun, it is also very time consuming. And Tiffany, why don't you tell the people about how your son is like basically an Olympian? Oh my gosh, you guys. So my son had the Regional Junior Olympics this last weekend. And that's Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Alaska. And he took gold in the 400 meters. And he took bronze in the 100 and the 200. And it's his first year of track. His first track meet was June 4th. And here we are, middle of July. And it's just, oh, you know what was so sweet, Ashley, though? I got to tell you this. So many um, just strong, amazing black men, dads, coaches from other teams would walk up to him and be like, hey, man, your ceiling is high. You have a bright future. You are gifted. I hope you see. All that's in your future because it's going to be good. It was so sweet. I was like near tears. It was so, it was so lovely. Because you know, all these kids been doing this since they're seven and eight, and he comes in here, this gangly eleven-year-old, and just does the dang thing. So it was an amazing weekend. Um, Very hot. I'm not used to that heat, but you know, in the low nineties, not for me. Marty Brown don't need all that. And, (laughs) but yes, we are excited. And uh, little man be swimming like a shark up in there, right? Yep. So my little one is a a swimmer like his mother, which is very exciting. And he's doing great. And actually last week at the practices, um, he was moving a little slower because they have to, I don't even know how many hundreds they swim during a 45 minute practice, but a whole lot. And so he started getting really slow at the end. And he was like, Mommy, I'm so slow. But then he crushes at the meet. So he won mm. um, first place three out of four of his heats. So Come that was very on. exciting. So he's doing, he's doing really well. I'm proud of him. And you guys, our episode today, to make a little segue here, we are very excited about it. And as you know, we talk about friendship a lot on Why Though. And we know that during the pandemic, friendship was a really tricky place for people Mm -hmm. to navigate. And so Mm -hmm. we've talked consistently about what it looks like to end a friendship or to start a new one as an adult or to make new boundaries in a friendship because maybe somebody's beliefs changed or, you know, somebody had a baby and now the relationship looks different. And there's all kinds of things that we're all out here navigating. And so Tiffany found a really lovely guest for us today. And I'm going to let Tiffany tell you all about her. And we've got some great questions that we think would really help you navigate friendship wherever you are on the journey if you're trying to if you just moved to a new city and are making new friends or if you're figuring out hey my old group doesn't really work for me anymore and I got to make a transition we got you we love you guys and we want you to be thriving in relationships because that is the key to survival is being in good friendships that are reciprocal and authentic and genuine where you can be yourself and bring your whole self to the table and let other people do the same and so we got a little treat for you today tell us Tiff. we so have a treat for you today today we have shasta nelson she is a nationally recognized friendship expert she is the founder and ceo of girlfriendcircles.com the only online community that matches new friends offline by connecting 
connecting local women in cities across the U.S. She's been featured as a friendship expert on the Today Show, The Early Show, and in the New York Times, the mm -hmm. Chicago Tribune, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Huffington Post, Martha Stewart Radio. Ooh, Martha Stewart. All right, all right. Essence, Parents, Redbook, Glamour, among so many others. She speaks regularly for conferences and organizations who know that better friendship skills improve the well-being of their employees, the development of their leaders, and the loyalty of their clients. Her TEDx talk in 2017 was chosen as a featured video by TED, and I am a raving fan of her book, Friendtimacy. She has three books out. Wow. That is one that I just could not get enough of. I have followed her work for quite some time, and I'm so excited to have her here today for the Why Though Fam. Say hello, Shasta. Yay, hello. It's an honor to be with all of you. And I feel lazy just listening to everything you both did on the weekends and how amazing <laughs> and how and how and how active your kids were. I was like, and I just pretty much sat on the couch for watch I watched some sports. Does that count? It yes, does. It does because well, we were well. watching sports too. <laughs> okay. I hope you had air you conditioning go. with your sports though. Yes. Yeah, my husband my husband pulled me in. We've been married for fifteen years and he pulled me in wow. to cycling, uh, which oh. sounds like the most boring sport to watch. And I do not cycle myself, but every year I get super excited when the Tour de France comes on and I feel like all this, like, it gets a fun thing. We wake up every morning and watch each stage of the race. So I feel like I'm kind of sporty this weekend, but it was just sitting on an air conditioned couch, drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> we envy Perfect. you, quite frankly. It's <laughs> lovely. We love to see it. <laughs> we absolutely love it. Well, Shasta, can you share a little bit beyond the bio, something that maybe that we can't quite pick up through um, what I've shared already? Mm, yes, so many things. Let's see. Well, my, my training is actually as a pastor. So I came into this work being much more of a community facilitator and somebody mm. who tried to create belonging and trying to create community. And how do you how do you create a place where people come? And when you think about it from that vantage point, like I grew up in a religious context, and so here all these strangers come and what they what they really want is to belong to a community right. and uh, and how do you create that quickly and how do you create that safely um, so over time I transitioned out of the religious context and was like I'm way more curious about just creating community in this world where we don't all necessarily have to agree with the same thing or have the same belief system but really just what is belonging and community look like but I think that's one of the undertones to so much of my work is I still I still feel like it ties to our personal growth. I still feel like it ties to like the most most important thing we can be doing in this world, mm -hmm. which is relationship. And I think it's like one of the biggest, no matter what your languaging is around spirituality, it is like the work, it's like the work of a lifetime. It's the thing yeah. that I would argue is still the spiritual work, like love. How do you love people? How do you feel loved? How do you receive love? How do you give love? So mm -hmm. I don't talk about it from a in a spiritual language anymore that much, but it's still the exact same work I feel like, which is teaching us how to be, be love. And what does that look like in different contexts? Mm, that's so, so, so good. Because I think, as you said, it's universal. And mm. this, I love that the work of a lifetime, this isn't something we get to like check out and think that everything's going to go. Okay. Learning how to love and exist and connect yeah. intimately with others is is so foundational absolutely it is and i think a lot and i think it's important to say it's like what we're talking about here it's it goes beyond like three tips for better friends and how to meet people and while for many of us we get hung up on the the social group and the going right. out and doing things and that's so important but what every single one of us and i do believe this all the way down 
to my core is that what every single one of us wants is to like be loved, to be accepted, to be enough for other people, to feel comfortable and familiar and vulnerable with people to feel like they're there for us, you know? And so we can get caught up in a lot of the social life element, which is fun and important to have things, you know, people to go do things with, but underneath that, what most of us, you know, and you were talking Tiffany about the Frentimacy book and that came about because really realizing that when most of us are lonely, it's not for lack of interaction. Like most of us have friends. Most of us know people. Most of us are interacting with people. Most of us know where to go to meet people at your son's meet here and at work here and at this event here. But what most of us, when we're lonely today and in current modern life, our loneliness comes from lack of intimacy, lack of feeling close enough, deep enough. And so that's really what, um, you know, what we want to talk about is how to be deeply connected in relationships that feel truly supportive and meaningful. I love that so much. I think you're really hitting on something that is extremely important because the more opportunity you have to be in relationships where you're seen and known and where you're able to be vulnerable and frankly, where there's Mm. just understanding, I feel like the easier life is like, I think Mm -hmm. I feel the most at home in relationships where I don't have to explain everything and where we're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or we're comfortable in silences and where we just sort of get each other. And sometimes that happens immediately, but rarely (laughs) it's usually over time of building that kind of trust and building that kind of understanding where you just can respond to each other in a way that feels loving. And I really love that so much. Totally. And even the ones that feel instant aren't instant. You know, it's like the the attraction, the attraction might be instant or the sense of like, we have hope here. There's potential. Like we have commonalities that are giving me a reason to feel resonance. But even if you and I met each other, named out loud that we are going to be best friends, had chemistry, we still don't know anything about each other. We still have to like learn, like, how does she react under stress? How do, how do I respond? What, what, what do I like when I'm when I'm crying, what, how do I want to celebrate? Am I forthcoming? Right. Do you have to draw me out? Like, what's our rhythm? Are we the kind of friends that get together for lunch every week? Or are we the friends that text each other every day? Like, no matter how much your, your sense of potential is or how instant the attraction may or may not be in some relationships, it, we don't see, when you look at the science, the initial chemistry does not predict the depth of a relationship anything more. It just might give you more willingness to kind of create some momentum and lean in, which is helpful. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, um, we what we need is just putting in the logging the hours and building that trust and building that sense of familiarity with each other that allows for us to get to know each other and feel good around each other. And so, yeah, I love. So the first my first book title is Friendships Don't Just Happen. And I think that speaks to right. what you're saying. Is we we, we want title. them like we're we're judging each other by whether we like we're meeting each other and we want it to feel familiar, comfortable, intimate, vulnerable, deep at all at once. And we are like, oh, she's that, you know, we, we judge it almost within the first couple of meetings, whether we think it can do that or not. And the truth of the matter is they never just happen. We always, always have to like put in the time. Girl, you are Ooh. saying something. <laughs> Which is not often... what, it's not what any of us want to hear though, is it? <laughs> oh, I love, oh, girl, I'm here for it. Cause I often talk about how we, you know, we don't, we think about dating other people, yeah. but we don't talk yeah. about how friendship is sort of like that. Totally. Like that it's just 100%. this, you know, rotation of showing up <laughs> to different things and figuring out how yeah. you're connected and what you have in common. It's really, yeah. it's important. It is. And with dating, we give, we give the gift of time to it. Like if we went mm-hmm. on a great date, we don't say we should do that again sometime. And then like, let's get together next month. You know, like if we're interested in each other, we're like, trying to figure out what are you doing this weekend? What are you doing right. next week? Like we're trying to make it happen quickly. And we then we want to get together the next night. And it's like, we 
you know, we have a joke that we kind of like can be all consuming when you find somebody you like with dating at the beginning and you just want to be together all the time. But so you're logging the hours. Like one of the studies shows that we don't become best friends with each other until we've logged. And this is us self-reporting that when we look at the people we feel closest, most intimate, safest with, we don't really feel like we're best friends with somebody until we've logged 200 hours together. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that can change, you know, based on what we're doing and who we are and what our personalities are. But the point remains, it's, takes hours together and um and so when we're dating we give that momentum to those relationships so when we're kids that's why friendship felt so much easier when we were kids is it's we logged the hours together Mm -hmm. and now as adults when we're meeting somebody it's like if you do lunch once a month it's going to take you forever to get to those quote 200 proverbial hours and so yeah it's uh we want it to happen quickly and unfortunately it just takes it takes time it takes time and that's the one thing all of us say we don't have (laughs) (laughs) so good Um, As you talk about those 200 hours, I'm so curious if you could speak to the quality versus even the quantity of those hours. Because, you know, I I think sometimes we're like, you know, relationships and friendships aren't forged in the huge highs of like, oh, you got a new job and we're going to go out and celebrate or the lows of like, you know your kid got diagnosed with some awful disease. Like Mm -hmm. there's this just Mm -hmm. ordinary day, like just the ordinary moments of sharing time. I'm curious if you could speak to how, um, how that connection and intimacy is built based on the quality of time spent. Totally. Yeah. So when we look at all the social studies of what builds relationship in general, and that can be what makes, how do we feel more trusting to some people versus others? What makes for a healthy team? What makes for a healthy marriage? Like, why do I feel, why do I say this person's my best friend and not this person, even though I've known this person longer? Like when we look at what bonds us to people, we see three things that are non-negotiable that have to be present. One of them is consistency, which is what we were just kind of alluding to. Consistency is putting in the time. It's the pattern we end up creating with a friendship. It's the frequency of how, how often we get together, what we do when we're together. It's the way it's our interactions, our kind of like our, our memories that we're making. And so it, it involves quantity of time and it also involves, um, you know, quality of time, which is like we see the studies that show more memorable things kind of bond us to each other more. Anything that becomes a routine. So we're the friends who get together for brunch every Sunday morning. We're the friends who see mm-hmm. each other when our kids are running track every weekend. Like, so having just mm-hmm. consistency helps. So there's a whole bunch of factors under that, but the big word is consistent time and we know that matters because if you're not interacting there's no friendship there we've all met amazing people once that we could have been friends with but we didn't for no reason other than we just didn't see them again so that one matters just the repetition then the other two are what you're speaking to the other two requirements of every healthy relationship in addition to logging the hours is that it has to have the consistency Positivity and vulnerability are the three Ooh, are the three non mm-hmm. the, the three non requirements. So we don't want to just log hours. We've all spent time working next to people that we've logged hours with that we can't stand. So it's not just time spent that helps that bond. Uh, the other two have to be present. And so positivity speaks to how we both feel when we leave those interactions. So positive emotions. So um, do I feel accepted? Do I feel laughter? Do I feel hope? Do I feel inspired? Do I feel encouraged? Do I feel empathy? Do I feel like they validate me? excuse me and so we all want to feel positive emotion which you can tell immediately none of us are going to want to spend more consistent time with anybody if we left feeling bored if we left feeling judged if we left feeling um competitive you know if we left feeling like dismissed and so you can pretty quickly see like how these link together we want to enjoy each other we're going to be drawn to the people who leave us feeling better 
And we can dive deeper into that because that is such a big one to talk about. Um, science shows that we need to have five positive emotions for every negative emotion in a relationship to keep it feeling healthy and to keep it feeling good. So we can go more into that, but let me jump to the third requirement. Um, because if you just have those two, if you have consistency, which is we spend time together and you have positive emotion, which is we both enjoy each other, that's how we train a lot of men to have relationships in our country, interestingly enough, is a social group that laughs together and has fun together and plays together. Or that's how a lot of us do social life, a girl's night out, it's like fun, and it's uh, we do it every month. And so, so you can have consistency and positivity, and for the lack of the third, it won't feel like a meaningful relationship. And that vulnerability piece is how we feel seen, how we feel known, whether we feel like that person cares about us, wants to take time to understand who we are, is collecting information about us in a way that leaves us feeling like they're interested in us and we're interested in them. And this is where we take in the information of like, I noticed Tiffany laughs when I say this and I know like that, I, I know that, she, oh, I found out that Ashley loves this kind of food and like, okay, we both really enjoy walking. And so it's like, we're learning about each other um, all kinds of data that we're taking in um, so that we feel like we know each other. And so when you take all three of those connected together, a friendship is any relationship where we both feel seen in a safe right. and satisfying way. And so we feel seen only when we're both being vulnerable. It feels safe only when there's consistency and it feels satisfying only when there's positivity. And we've all had relationships that only do one or two of these. Right. Um, every single one of us, you can look at any healthy relationship. We can look at your two friendships, your friendship with the two of you, and we can look at any friendship we love and we can see how those three things are in play. And conversely, any relationship that's not feeling good right now, we could look at it too and in a few minutes identify which of these three is lacking or missing or is broken and figure out how we could repair it. I love, I've never heard safe and satisfying. I'm going to take that. Like I, I just logged that in my brain and keep it forever. Oh, I, I love do that. think there are some of those relationships that do feel safe overall, but maybe not satisfying. It's like, this is a person mm -hmm. that you trust and this is a person that you love and you can do some life with or share some things with, but it's not always like, you don't always walk away feeling lighter and feeling mm -hmm. like yourself and feeling like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just I really love that word satisfying. I think that's that's yeah, really helpful good. to help you guide what your closest relationships, you know, not every relationship is going to be satisfying all the time, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I think to have that guide your your closest relationships is so beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, because um, you don't want just you don't want to just feel seen, you don't want just vulnerability and then feel judged for it, right? Like, that's exactly. our biggest fear. So it's we only want to be vulnerable if we feel like it's going to make you love me more <laughs> like right. we want to be loved like every single one of us is walking around just being like will you love me will you like me am i interesting enough am i good enough right. like can't but we and so we share things and if then it doesn't feel like it gets a positive response we're going to clam up and we're going to you know not want to share as much so it has to feel satisfying in a way that leaves us being like they like me better knowing that they yeah. responded well, they didn't judge me. They said, man, they, they validated that feeling, you know, and that matters so much to the building of a healthy relationship. Mm, so good. Now to circle back, you mentioned that there's more to really unpack in the positivity. And when I read your book, Frentimacy, the five to one ratio of positive to negative emotions was what stuck with me the most. Mm. It, it mm. really rocked mm. my world when I really was able to take stock and look back at at relationships and how they interacted and why some felt a little funky and I couldn't figure yeah. out why. And then when I read that five to one positive to negative emotion, it really helped me make sense um, of some friendships. So do you want to dive down? You said that there was a little more yeah. Yeah. to that. So I'd love for you to expand on that. Yeah. This one, interestingly enough, when I, when I'm speaking in front of audiences, I teach these three things. And then I ask, 
you know, then to do self-reflection and which of these three do you think is the one you most need to work on? And we, most often we think consistency is the one most of us is our weakest, like just at, just making the time for uh, the, the prioritizing certain people. But interestingly to your question, when I have a survey on a test and assessment um, that I offer that uh, helps people get a score in each of these three areas. Um, interestingly enough, positivity is by far the lowest number across the board. So most mm. of us, this is the area that's messing up our friendships. So if there was like, oh, without us doing any self-reflection, if we spent more time on this one, and you think about how it's linked, because if I, if I don't enjoy my time with you, if I don't feel leave feeling satisfied, or you don't leave feeling satisfied with me, uh, then you're not going to want to be more consistent. You might not consciously think that, but when I reach out and say, you want to get together, you're something's in you're going to be like, eh, I don't know. It was like, that's a long way to drive to see her. Like, I, yeah. If, but on the other hand, if you felt loved, if you felt encouraged, if I left you feeling more hopeful, if we had such a good time, your brain is going to want to repeat that experience. Like unconsciously, you're going to want to spend more time with the people who left you feeling positive emotions. So the consistency is so linked to it. And then vulnerability, same story. If we don't, if we don't feel like this person is loving us, appreciating, affirming, um, we're not going to want to keep opening up and we're not going to trust you and we're not going to share who we actually are and what our real opinions are and what our real stories are. And so that positivity is such an important foundation. And to think that for most of us, it's the biggest obstacle to our friendships is really important. So one of the things I often encourage all of us to do is to say, if you took, if, if one thing you did for your friendships was stop and say to yourself, my number one job description as a friend is to leave people feeling better about themselves and their lives for having nice. been with me. Come and on. most of us make most of us make the mistake of thinking if I leave them, if they leave my presence feeling better about who I am, <laughs> because we tend to show up and want to be impressive or we tend to show right. up and want to be entertaining or to be interesting. But really, at the end of the day, we can be so impressive that somebody leaves feeling worse about themselves. Or, you totally. know, I mean, the goal isn't the goal isn't to, like, make us feel better and look better. If we would just turn the attention a little bit and say, what could I do? to like leave this person feeling more affirmed for who they are, for what they are, for what they're doing in the world. Uh, if we just took that little bit of emphasis focus change, it would do so much for our friendship. You are 100% <laughs> right. I love that so much. And it's just true. Like it really is. And I think being a good friend is about taking burdens off of people and you know making them feel more lighthearted than when they came. Can you speak also to the other side of that, to people who may not feel like, um, whose strength might not be opening up, who are used to making other people feel seen, people who are really mm. good at listening to others and don't yeah. always share and celebrate their life? Like, what, how can they open up more? What's the Such an side? intuitive question. Yeah, interestingly enough, a lot of therapists, a lot of mothers, a lot of service yes. people are some of the loneliest people right now. When we look at a profile yeah. of loneliness, it is not the person who's again, has the least interaction. It's often people who are peopled out, actually. They're around people all day long, yes. but they're taking care of everybody else's needs. But at the end of the day, nobody is seeing them in a safe and satisfying way. And so, yeah, such a great question. And it's, a, it's changing the dynamic of your friendships a little bit. And it's a hard one. It's saying, mm -hmm. my identity is not in being the listener. My identity is not in being the one who takes care of everyone else. There, I will never feel close in a relationship until I start sharing in relationship. And so we have to start practicing. So on, on the vulnerability scale, every single one of us is on a spectrum. Some of us lean toward oversharing too fast in relationships. And I teach... 
I go all deep on the in the intimacy book on how to do it slowly and appropriately and incrementally because I teach that vulnerability. A lot of us make the mistake of just thinking if we just throw everything out there uh, that that's that's bonding and that's truly not. Uh, it should always be in conjunction with consistency. So we should be learning a little bit about you with you every time we're with you, but we should not be learning everything about you in the first, <laughs> like leave, like be a, be an appetizer, not an entree. When you're right. you know, like, like just do that. this in a way that leaves us wanting more. So some of us tend to overshare and others of us, as you were saying, some of us tend to undershare and we tend to not open up or we want to wait for others to ask us something. And so we need to stop and ask ourselves, why am I undersharing? Um, as I, am I, am I scared to share? Am I waiting for somebody else to invite me? Am I open to sharing? And we need to start practicing and taking little risks. And again, I teach this in a way that it should be incremental and small. And so you should practice sharing a little bit and then waiting and seeing, does that feel like, what's the response? And like, it should be in conjunction with positive emotion and consistency. Right. But if you're interacting with somebody regularly and not sharing that much about who you are, then your friendship is gonna get lopsided because your consistency is going to be higher than your vulnerability. And your goal is to keep all three right. of these moving forward. And so we can get a lopsided relationship just simply by not sharing enough. So I've had to learn, um, I think I opened that book with a story in fact, because I've oft, I'm often the one in a group, not this, this won't surprise anybody, I'm often the one in the group that will be asking a sharing question and like, what's everyone doing this summer, you know, or what's everyone, how, how's this going, da, da, da. and I can leave having gotten everybody else to open up and me not having shared anything. And I've had to learn, is this, is this somebody, and that's appropriate in certain settings for the role I'm in, but in, if I want to build friendships, I need to say, are these people I want to bond with? And if so, then I need to offer up and say, well, here's what I'm doing this summer and da, 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 da. And I just need to like practice sharing and I need to practice revealing that and offering that. And, um, you know, so I, that's an area for me. And I talk about it in the book where I've had to really practice uh, offering up more of that. Cause yeah, some of us are not as practiced in that role. Yes. So good. I really love that you point out the over and the under and that they both take incremental change to reach a more appropriate, consistent rhythm. I, you know, I, when you were talking about the oversharing and how that can just feel like an onslaught, I, th I think of the people that I've met casually and, you know, we might have dinner or we might get together and then they share so much that I'm a little stunned that I'm like, that was totally. way too, you know, and you're like, yep, yep you like, I never want to see you again in my whole life. Like, I can't do this. Like, please, Jesus, I'm going to move just so I don't have, you know, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm being dramatic, no, but, but I'm 100% being serious. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You're naming what happens unconsciously for most of us. Like, most of us may not walk away thinking that, but next time they invite us to do something, like, somehow we know that they crossed the boundary that wasn't appropriate, yeah. you know? And so yeah. it says to us, this is not somebody that I can, like, totally trust. And we're afraid that if we interact, that they're going to pull us into their drama with like unwillingly. It's almost like we're, there's a fear there. And so it is important. It's important for people who overshare to hear also that, um, and I think it happens out of several reasons. I think one is most of us are walking around lonely. Like 61% of us right. do not have the relationships we want. And so most of us do not have somebody we're confiding in. So when we meet a nice person and that we're hopeful about and that we feel good about, I try to have as much compassion as I can on people who overshare because I'm like, they probably don't have anyone they're sharing life with. You know, they're like, they find uh, like this is their opportunity and they just grabbed it and bless them for like wanting that. But it's like, 
So I think part of it is understanding our own need, but that doesn't mean brand new friends are the appropriate place to take that out. And we need to still be cautious and like thoughtful around it. And I think a lot of us as women, especially like if, if we've taught men to undershare on vulnerability and we have, we have taught them to go out and have play games together and have fun together, but, but not practice vulnerability with each other. So that's why a lot of men's friendships are lacking in right. meaningfulness and depth. We've taught men that it's only safe for them to be intimate with other women, basically with romantic relationships. And so we don't have them, we're not building up great male relationships in the ways that we should. But if we've made a mistake on that side with men, I think we've often done it on the other side with women. Like we just encourage just sharing secrets and telling each other everything. And like, so sometimes yes. I think we've taught ourselves growing up that we're supposed to just tell the worst about us or tell our drama and that that somehow bonds us. We like make a mistake thinking that will accelerate the bond. And so I think we need or to- Or that like, we have trust. Yeah, People exactly. make a mistake that there's trust there just because they shared. It's like, wait a minute, yeah. that yeah. nobody knows that if that person is trustworthy. And I think Christian exactly. circles do it the worst. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't totally. really experience that until I made it into faith communities. And I was like, wait a minute, we just like met for dinner. Why are you telling me your whole childhood, your whole young adulthood and everything yes. about your life right yes. now? Like I can't yes. handle it actually. <laughs> you know? yes. I, it's so, such a good point. Such a good point. I feel like as the receiver, uh, and, and Ashley and I both have a Shasta history in, in church ministry yeah. um, in leadership. And ah! so we have been on the end, you know, combined, it's probably like 40 years at this point. Yeah, um, for sure. Wow. But uh, so there's this part of us too that's like, this has been our role yes, to yes. make space for other people's vulnerability. Yes. I think mm -hmm. when I look at it through the lens of friendship, I'm like, I don't have the emotional labor. I don't have enough credits in the bank to handle yeah. somebody else's oversharing in a way that drain like and like you said it's so subconscious i think of how like okay i gotta gear up to go hang out with that person or i gotta like get in the yeah. right space to and endure. you really do yeah yeah, yeah. you actually really yeah. do though tiff you're so yeah. right it is like a yeah. practice of being like can i handle this today yes <laughs> like do i have the margin for this person's presence and i yeah um i had a i think back to uh years ago i had a birthday gathering um, where I invited, you know, gals who, and, and some of them from different circles, but they all know each other enough. And, um, and one, and I was so worried that one gal would perhaps dominate more of the conversation to the point that I had like debilitating anxiety. And I'm like, uh, this is on me. I invited all of these people. <laughs> like I chose this, you know? And mm. it was just that reminder of like, I, I don't, I have agency here. I think sometimes right. in friendships, especially if we've known them for a long time or if we went through something difficult together, that we still feel like we owe them something. Is this yeah, making yeah, sense? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. And oh, then totally. the reality is we can reassess and decide. Nobody is making these decisions for us. Like right. we are grown women. We can do this. And I think uh, the people pleaser in me wants to ensure that they feel mm -hmm. loved and valued mm -hmm. and seen so much so that I'll, <laughs> that I'll bleed in front of them to make sure that they're yeah. so comfortable, you know? Yeah. So I think yeah. just as the learning to, the, you know, identifying if you're an undershare or an overshare, or if you're willing to let yourself sit and allow the overshare to take margin and space when you're like, wait a second, wait a second. It don't gotta be like this. This mm -hmm. does not have to be like this. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had, and I love, I mean, the, the pastoring mentality is so contributes to this, but so many professions do this as well. And so any of us who are out there who feel like we are the one who is 
the leader of the group, the facilitator, the the hostess, the you know, like the the therapist, like the list goes on and on. It's a really important thing for us to sit there and say, okay, who's my social group? Who are the people in my life that I gather? Who are the people, my clients? Who are like, and then who are my friends? And to mm. clarify in our head, those are Very two good. different groups. And yes. so our friends have to be mutual vulnerability. They have to be prioritized when we have short time or, or you know, in less time. Those are the priorities. We these are the friends that we. Have have to leave feeling good around each other's presence. These are the ones who fill me up, who fuel me, who energize my life. These are the ones who are my go-to confidants. These are the ones who, when I want to celebrate, these are my friends. And so we need to be really clear who are the relationships that we are considering friends in our life. And now this is kind of hard, but then there's a whole bunch of other, and my hairstylist has this problem. She, everybody thinks she's their friend and she's nobody's friend. She's a hairstylist. (laughs) I mean, she's some people's friend, but she's not (laughs) developing a friendship with us, but she ends up becoming a friend to a whole bunch of people who have no friends because this is a consistent place where they're being vulnerable but it's really interesting if you kind of step back and you're just like she needs to know we need to know who are the friends and then when i have overflowing extra time extra energy extra love in my life and i do want to be somebody i don't want to be somebody who's like they're toxic i can't be around them or like they're needy i can't be around them i don't think the more love I have in my life, I should be able to be around more people and handle it. So my belief is I don't want to be somebody who just cuts everyone out who's not like uplifting all the time. But my responsibility is to make sure I am being filled with right. taking care of myself and having good friendships. And then hopefully I have extra in the bank at times where I'm like, okay, that cousin exhausts me. But you know what? I'm, I, 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 I was vulnerable yesterday with my friend. I'm full. I'm good. I don't need right. that in this relationship. I can sit and listen to her now and be that. And I don't judge it by it not being mutual because in my brain, this isn't a, this is not a friendship. This is a relationship I'm in for a different reason. I'm in here right. to show that to be a sustaining person in this person's life out of service, out of love, out of we're related. I mean, whatever other reason, but I don't judge it on the standards of needing to get my cup filled by it. And I'm very clear which relationships are my friendships and which ones are the other relationships. I feel mm. like that right there so will good. save everybody a gamut of time. Like mm. you know, to get clear <laughs> on your expectations and to, you know, lower them where they need to be lowered and to understand that you can meet people where they are. But also, like you said, to have your cup filled up so that you're not expecting the wrong people to meet needs they can never meet. Because exactly. that is just such a recipe for perpetual disappointment. Yeah. And too many yeah. of us live there. Ooh, and guys, you yeah. don't have to. Like you don't actually yeah. have to live perpetually disappointed. You can yeah. sort this out and really think about what relationships are life-giving and what relationships are life-giving sort of <laughs> what relationships are like hey our gift of time together is not me getting something something from this person but actually Come me on. giving something you know we just have to figure out mm-hmm. and then the other people who you're like i gotta cut this this fool needs to go like this yeah. person got to go you know and mm-hmm. all of those decisions are okay and Shasta, yeah. we are so grateful to have you on Why Though. And I, I think, I feel like we could talk to the, for three hours with you. Oh <laughs> my goodness. Thank you for being such a wonderful yes. guest and having so much, like you packed a lot in here with a punch and I'm so grateful. I oh, have a I'm feeling so there's going to be a lot of replays on this one. Yes. You, you're going to have to go oh. back, play it again, mm-hmm. get the goods and mm-hmm. be sure to pick up Shasta's books and we'll have those linked in the show notes as well. You can watch her TED Talk, which is incredible. There's so yeah. much goodness there. Um, also, I would encourage you. This is a conversation that needs to go offline with your friends. Yeah. So what you've heard here today, uh, please, please take it to your 
take it to your girlfriends and be able to process this. And I think one of the things I'm most grateful for today, Shasta, is you put language to these feelings that we were like, wait, I know something's not right here, or I know I want more to have vernacular to describe what we need, what we don't, and how we can move forward, I think is such a gift. So thank you so, so, so very much. You're so welcome. And I know you're wrapping up, but can I just say one more thing? Oh, girl, (laughs) For those of us who are like seeing that some of our relationships aren't positive emotion relationships full of vulnerability and consistency, I would just say, I think there's like this clarity of like, which of my friendships are doing all three of these? And that's fabulous. Which of my friendships is lagging in one of these? And maybe this relationship, we have known each other forever and we have consistency. And maybe we do know everything about each other and we have vulnerability, but it doesn't feel good. It leaves me drained. It leaves me exhausted. So it's lacking in positive emotion. There is the opportunity and you'll have to like do it more through my books and videos on YouTube and stuff. But there is the opportunity to say, okay, rather than just getting rid of this person or just saying they're not a fulfilling person, assuming that most people don't know this stuff. Most people don't know how to be a healthy friend. They're not trying to be a bad friend. Most of them aren't waking up trying to disappoint us. What could I do to try to bring more positive emotion into this relationship? How can I steer the conversation differently now knowing that we need to be practicing more affirmation? What can we do to go have fun together? Like, What can I do to see if we can change this dynamic and fix this piece? Because then you're investing in a relationship and you've already invested the 200 hours and you've already put in you already know so much you're so much better off trying to repair this relationship than just getting rid of it you know and then of course to your point there are some relationships that we may have tried many times to fix and we don't need to it's okay to say this is what it is and this doesn't have to be forced to make to stay forever for sure but i do think this once we understand these three things we're so powerful at being able to change almost any relationship in our lives like we don't need the other person doesn't even have to know it um, and that's where the book Friendsimacy would be helpful because there's so many things in there we can do that might strengthen and make these friendships more meaningful. So I don't want to discourage anybody by that's good. most of us, most of us don't have these best, best healthy friends. We have to like, right. create it and develop it so we can do that. Love oh, it. So good. Also convicting. So thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. I just didn't want to leave everyone feeling discouraged. Like my friends suck. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, we can change this. Your, your friends don't suck. The friendships, the way they've been developed might suck and you can change the pattern of that friendship. So that's the good news. (laughs) So good. So good. Well, thank you so much for joining us and why though fam, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.